reading today comes from Zephaniah 3, 14 through 20. I invite you to receive these words. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who gives you victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home, at that time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Let us all pray together. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, and to you alone, for you, O God, are our strength and Redeemer. Amen. I have a plant that is very dear to me because it was a memorial gift for my father's funeral service six years ago, and it was small enough that I could carry it onto the plane with me from Oklahoma back here to D.C., and I've managed to keep it alive all these years, hallelujah. Um, It helps me because it tells me when it's thirsty. When my plant needs water, it begins to look very thin, it begins to droop, Its leaves are not strong enough to remain upright. As soon as I give it a drink, however, the response is dramatic. The plant is restored right before my eyes. The water renews its strength. Perhaps this image first came to mind as I reflected upon the words of the prophet Zephaniah because among all the good tidings found in our text today that Beth read for us, the one part that stood out to me the most was the line that reads, God will renew you in God's love. At the end of this long year, has felt strangely short, I am painfully aware of just how thin my own inner resources are, how difficult it is for me to keep my chin up, as my dad used to coach me to do, how often I feel droopy like my plant when it's thirsty. And I'm aware, as I'm aware of my own need for renewal, that I am not alone 
I observe all around me frayed relationships and greed families and whole communities grappling with trauma and anxiety. I'm aware of colleagues in ministry and of many, hmm, many, hold on, trauma of connections. It's my weekly drama. Let's see if that's better. Can I move? Because you know I can't stand still. Okay. Trauma abounds, let's just be honest, um, of large and small varieties. I'm, I'm aware of, of people in ministry, of people teaching school, of people in the medical professions who are exhausted, burned out to the point of leaving their vocations, many of them. I'm aware of those who are continuing to carry the banner for racial and gender and economic equity and justice, for common sense gun laws, for access to education and healthcare, and so much more. These beloved ones, these advocates who grow weary and discouraged, and brokenhearted. I'm aware, perhaps you've seen the news and headlines about children and youth falling behind the learning curve or grappling with spikes in anxiety and depression. And mercy, as we've already prayed for today, just think of the communities destroyed in minutes from tornadoes just this week, and all of those still recovering from fires and floods and other increasingly intense natural disasters as a result of climate change. God will renew you. These are words that I need to hear. And the original audience needed these words as well. Zephaniah prophesied in Judah during the early years of King Josiah around 640 BCE. It was before the king's reforms were able to begin to address some of the mess that Israel had created among itself. Much of the short book of Zephaniah, it's only three chapters, much of it is searing judgment upon Israel for its idolatry and syncretism, for its complacency, for corrupt leadership and rampant injustice. And yet quite abruptly, in the last third of the last chapter of the prophecy, we receive what we heard today. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion, shout. O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter, Jerusalem. And why the rejoicing? Well, because all of a sudden the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. The Lord your God is in your midst. God will renew you in God's love. God will deal with all your oppressors, will save the outcast will bring you home. Just picture it in your mind's eye, a community that maybe lived long ago but feels very, very familiar, a whole community weighed down with 
a human mixture of guilt and fear and anxiety and weariness and apathy and all the fruits of injustice. Everyone in the community drooping and weary and weak, parched for what is most needed. And then news arrives that God is on the way and will not destroy but save them like a drink of cool water. Mercy and help and relief and guidance and love flow into all the parched places. Right before their eyes, God's love renews them You know, the end of Zephaniah feels to me kind of like a stock photo that has that that watermark across it. It doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem real somehow. It's it's like the end of that, that old thing that you used to find in stories back in ancient times called the deus ex machina, God whooshing in to fix everything at the last minute. Like the knight in shining armor, like another version of it, maybe Tammy Wynette standing by her man, or like the Isley brothers who know their lover has been so good to them, better than I've been to myself. Hey, hey, you know it makes them wanna shout, shooby doo So my point is, is that the end of the story feels too easy a bit contrived. It's a predictable ending, sort of, to God's love story. And some of you may know that there are days when, at this point in my sermon, having just pointed this out, I would challenge this awkward, unlikely shift in the text from searing judgment to God is here to save the day. There are times I'd go in and I would just rip that to shreds. But I'm not gonna do that today. Because quite frankly, right now, I want the predictable love story. Right now, predictable love stories are giving me life and not a small measure of joy. Whether it's Hallmark or Lifetime or Netflix or wherever, I'm quite happy right now to spend some time with completely overused plot points like two romantically challenged characters who meet realize they're destined to be together, they encounter a series of problems meant to separate them, and by the end, they are wrapped in each other's arms. Or perhaps you know this one, two people meet and immediately think the other is just awful, only later to discover that arguing with each other is like the best thing ever. Or when two people who usually don't get along agree to pretend they're together, 
to satisfy family expectations or to make an ex jealous at a wedding or wherever. And well, you all know how the story goes. And let me just quickly say that the renewal that I get from 90 minutes of contrived plot points and charming country Christmas villages with quirky characters is not because I lack for love in my life. It's because sometimes you just need to experience the predictable love story to be reminded that desire for love is universal, that to love and to be loved is life-giving and joy-producing. And of course, there's the side benefit of shutting off large parts of your brain so that you can get a little break. That's renewing in a whole other way. Today and throughout this season, like a well-loved piece of music or a favorite rom-com, we receive again the familiar story of God's love affair with us. And it goes something like this. God loves us, provides guidance and resources for our lives, to flourish. We blow God off in one form or fashion, doing harm to others and to ourselves in the process. God sends prophets and teachers, quirky characters, (laughs) to try to get our attention. And when we make even the smallest turn toward God, create even the slightest opening in our heart to God, then God rushes in with grace and love and compassion and forgiveness. Rejoicing ensues. We fall into one another's arms and the credits roll. And then people create a series of sequels that have a very similar plot. Age after age after age. And the rejoicing that comes just before the credits roll every time is not really if it's true joy. It's not because we're just let off the hook, but because we realize that we are loved even while we are yet sinners, as our communion liturgy reminds us. I don't know about you, but in my experience, water tastes sweeter when I'm really thirsty. Mercy and forgiveness bring me real joy when I know I've messed up. Assurance that I'm not alone and that I'm loved is great when I'm feeling strong, but That assurance is absolute new life and strength when I am feeling weak and exhausted. You see, good tidings are only truly good, joyful things when we know we stand truly in need of them. And the good tidings of Zephaniah's prophecy remind us that renewal is God's desire for us 
God knows our desire. God knows what we need. And we are assured that as we respond even a little bit to God's love for us, we will be strengthened to try to do and to be better, to live together in peace with justice, to care for others as we care for ourselves, to to know that God is in our midst as our advocate and our guide, as our protector, as the one who loves us best. So rejoice. You know it makes me want to shout. Sometimes louder, sometimes a little softer. The plot twist, no longer such a twist for those who've seen the movie before, is that we aren't the only ones singing and shouting and dancing with joy. In verse 17 of the prophecy, that ancient prophecy, we are reminded that God is rejoicing over us. God is singing with joy because of our love. God's love story may have a predictable ending, but it never gets old. For God so loved the world that, well, you know how the story goes. Let's sing and shout and rejoice that in these holy days, we receive the story and God's amazing grace again. Amen. <laughs>